0: Hi, I'm Mallory Kane, and you're listening to the ODU Monarchist Podcast.
1: All right, Monarch Nation, we're on a victory Sunday. Old Dominion goes to Southern Miss and
2: wins 17 to 13. We are here as always with Aaron. How you doing, Aaron? Man, I'm awesome as always. Got a quick workout on again. This time, I was not getting rid of anger, but I was rejoicing in the dub. Fantastic.
1: And for the second week in a row, we are joined by the specialist goats of Old Dominion, Jared Brown and Jonathan Plisco. Welcome, fellas.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having us again. Morning, guys. Yeah, glad to be here.
1: You there, John? Yeah, I think you're on mute. Did we lose him?
2: I think we may have.
0: Yeah, it's not showing up.
2: Come back to us, Jonathan. Come back. John, are you out there? Oh, this network is struggling. Really bad. It's red. I've never seen red. It's usually yellow.
1: I kind of want him to just say, hey, we can get going. (laughs) Signal if
2: you're
3: okay, John.
2: (laughs) Trust us, Jonathan is on the call.
3: He's listening to us, at least. (laughs)
0: he's here in spirit oh wait a minute he's gonna be here twice in here twice you know can't get rid of me uh that easy guys
1: welcome to the show jonathan
0: glad to be here thanks uh thanks for having us back uh definitely good uh being here after the dub uh yesterday so
1: yeah so all right where do we want to start and obviously a game like this there's a lot of good but there's also a lot of issues we need to clean up so where do we want to
2: start I got a suggestion, Mike. Uh, we got two of the best specialists in the history of Old Dominion football. Uh, I think we talk about special teams first because there's a lot to unwrap with special teams, the things that happen. All right, yesterday. so
1: obviously there was an issue yesterday with uh, special teams coverage. Our, our net per punt yesterday were 22.6, and we give up two... Punt returns for a touchdown. One is called back for a fair catch signal. Luckily, because that would have changed the whole dynamic of the game. But the Gunners outrun the ball. They lose containment of the punt returner. And Mims has no issue just running right down the field. Obviously, in my opinion, I think the Gunners need to just focus on the kick returner. If you follow him, you find the ball. That didn't happen, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Ooh.
3: I was going to hope you started with with Plisco there, but uh, <laughs> it's a tough one in in my opinion. This uh, this punter's been he's shown that he can he can punt the ball. You know, he's uh, a different style than Plisco was back when he played, but he can punt the ball and he can punt the ball far. And the guys are used to that. And I know it's easy to say. Well, if you do this, then it'll everything will be fine. Or if you do that, everything will be fine. Uh, but yesterday on the first punt, he gets absolutely hammered on what I could not believe was a running into the kicker call. Should have been a roughing the kicker call. And it, that gets in your head. And the next one, you, you short leg it. You don't hit it as hard as you can. And then it doesn't go as far. And, it, and the return gets messed up. Or the um, The coverage gets messed up because of it. Uh, not anybody's fault, in my opinion. Really, uh, you know, they were a pretty good uh, punt rushing team because you could see it. They got pretty close to them every time, and they absolutely crushed them the first time. And it uh, it just changes things. And then when the refs not really protected you either, because as a punter or a kicker, when you get hit like that in the middle of kicking the ball, like you you have to be aware of that. The next time you get extremely hurt doing that. And he got hit in right in his knee as he's kicking the ball. And that's just going to completely change how you feel. You know, it, it really does change the mentality of the next one. Um, and he doesn't get the best punt off on the next one. And the coverage got changed because of it. I don't think it was anybody's fault. I don't think it was a huge, big deal. It just turned out that in that situation, the punt returner did a great job and scores a touchdown on it. And it's just really, in my opinion, unfortunate, honestly, because that it, that first one completely changes how the rest of the game is going to go.
2: Well, let's talk about that call real quick, because I, I was the same way last night, like, losing my shit that, of that call. Uh, but then I was, and so was the internet. You know, Monarch Nation was the, the same thing. But then I educated a little bit on why that was running into the kicker versus roughing the kicker. John, if you're on with us, man, can talk to, talk to us about that call.
0: Um, how, how am I coming across, guys? I know, network loud and clear, one. man. There we go. Um, yeah, it's funny. I meant to actually look up the minutia of the rule between running and roughing the kicker, but I mean, I think I, I watched that clip uh, four or five times this morning. It's roughing. There's no question. Like terrible call by the referees and. Uh, there were some other calls in the first quarter that were questionable. I, I know. I think the, the biggest difference is making a play on the block. And the guy clearly went to block. Um, but as you know, one of the, the things Coach Z always did back in the day, teaching our guys how to block, you don't block where the ball is. You block where the ball is going to go. Mm-hmm. So the guy went for the block as the ball dropped. And as Ethan hit it, he hit it out of the guy's block lane. And then he got crushed for it. Um, Again, I mean, to me, there's no question that that's roughing. And, and I'd love to hear the opinion, you know, from the, uh, as we get educated, the the minutia of that rule. But the fact is the guy went for a block and missed, which is the risk reward of going for a block. Uh, but it, it should have been roughing to me.
3: Yeah, he didn't just bump him. It's all
1: about whether you hit the plant leg or not, right?
0: Well, it's just, it's contact. If you go for the block, it's essentially, you go for the block, you better get it or it's roughing. Right. I mean, running into the kicker is you pull back. And again, you run in like. Aaron, I don't know if in your education or or learning uh, between the minutiae, you do have that specific. uh, This is roughing. This is running into. But uh, I know there's been instances in my career uh, specifically. uh, I love this one. Jared probably knows what I'm going to talk about. It was at Hampton. (laughs) I hit a 55 yard punt and I didn't get to see it because I got flipped. Uh, and I get up and the umpire is signaling for tipped ball. And I look down the field and I look at him and I won't use the exact language that I used <laughs> on the field, um, but it's very colorful, very creative. And he, he grabs the flag on his waist. He says, say another word and I'm going to throw the flag on you. Uh, so I said, okay, <laughs> I'll just go back to the sideline. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, I've got, I've got some language here. It says, the difference between running into the kicker and roughing the kicker is where and when contact is made. If a defensive player makes contact with the kicker's plant leg while their kicking leg is in the air or severely contacts the kicker when both legs are on the ground, a roughing the kicker penalty will be called.
3: Okay. So because his leg is still in the air and he gets severely contacted, it's not roughing the kicker. And that is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous because there's no way that you can protect yourself. You can't hit back in the middle of your kicking motion. You can't do it. You know, I was a big fan of hitting back when I played, but not when you're in the middle of kicking, you can't do it. And you could, Tear at ACL, you could roll, get your ankle rolled on. There's a ton of things that can happen if somebody's going to hit you like that in the middle of your kicking motion, and that is roughing the kicker, and that is an absolutely ridiculous rule. If that if that's how it really is, I mean that is craziness.
1: All right, John, I I, I want you to also talk to us a little bit about punt coverage.
0: Ooh, uh, you know I could probably talk about an hour and a half uh, on this subject. So I uh, went and watched both instances you know thankfully only one was a, a actual punt return touchdown uh you know jared hit on some good points talking about the mentality not only of the coach but of ethan uh, when we we look at you know you get hit pretty heavy hit uh you start second guessing your your protection you know your snaps are a little high a little low a little left um you know definitely creates some issues but when we look at that punt performance it's really a Uh, on the team you know we we were texting about uh, the gunners and their uh, responsibilities which every coach is a little different from their schemes Uh, I don't know specifically what we run at ODU right now but if you look at their formation that they went out on that specific punt touchdown um, they kind of overloaded left everybody released left so the expectation was it's going to be a left-sided punt so uh, not only do you have protections uh, different schemes motions etc. You do have a call-in for the punter. Again, you either hit it left, you either hit it right. Uh, And you do not want to miss on those calls, or else, as you can see, uh, they take it to the house most of the time. So depending, you know, they could run, like, a wall scheme to the barrier. Like, you know, it's all about the chess game, right? Not only on offense, not only on defense, but on special teams. Um, So first issue is if you miss to the wrong side of the field, you're going to expose your team. So those gunners are running left. Everybody's running left. They don't see the ball just because of you know the issues of getting the ball off. Ball goes to the opposite side of the field, straight shot into the end zone. Right. It's kind of a cumulative effect of I think bad refereeing, uh, and then just some pieces that really didn't fall into place across the board from like coaching uh, and the, the execution by the team uh, to really result in that play. And thankfully, the second time that happened, uh, it, it got called off with that fair catch. Yeah,
1: thankfully because. The announcers tried to blame it for the rest of the game, which is silly. Because weird, bad penalties happen on scoring plays all the time. They get holds on offensive runs or offensive pass interference. That wasn't really there. That one got called on us. He barely pushed him. I don't know if that's a good call last night. But uh, blaming that for how much game was left is kind of silly. But... Uh, they scored there. That's a different ball game last night, given how both defenses were playing and how both offenses were playing in the red zone. Thankfully, we had a pretty even matchup last night um, offensively. Both quarterbacks had some issues. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on pretty quick after that start.
0: I'll jump into that one. Uh, gutsy call. Again, You know we, we were all curious coming out of last week uh, who – who would get the support and, and put in place, but obviously Jack came out in practice and uh, justified, you know, getting out there, running out with the ones. Um, but again, uh, he probably knew he had a short leash and, you know, I was impressed with how quickly, uh, you know, Ronnie and the coaching staff made that decision. And uh, I think it worked out. I think, you know, we, we could all, all see uh, still probably some throws he wanted back uh, both quarterbacks, but you know, really impressed with the the speed at which that change happened and, you know, hopefully now that Wilson's back in there uh, as the guy, he can, you know, continue to run forward and, you know, make some good things happen.
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it It's a weird situation to have a quarterback get switched out and then play one more game and then the next game start and then get switched out. And that, very weird situation. Uh, but in the end, it worked. And if they know that that's the situation and they know that they're going to be competing not only in practice but in the games and if you don't have the best start to a game the other guys coming in like i said last week competition is a huge part of college football it really is I mean, probably part of every every aspect of football but in college football i mean they're bringing a guy in to beat you and if we have a really good quarterback competition and we're winning games and they keep switching it based on who's playing better at that moment awesome <laughs> as long as we're winning. I don't think it's I don't think it's a terrible thing.
2: So, Mike, I'm going to ask you. I don't know that we've seen anything quite like this since the first games of Old Dominion in 2009, when we weren't sure who the quarterback was and we're rotating, um, rotating series of who it's going to be. Now we've got, I would assume, going into the bye week, you know, we're going to expect Grant to be the starter for the App State game. But if he struggles mightily in quarter one, are we going to see Jack come in? Or now that you've gone back, can you not really go back again? Is the the only next move Colton Joseph, but we don't expect that. That's something that we're hoping is a next year thing. We're playing in the last four games to get experience. All right.
1: So I'll, I'll start with Colton first. I've seen a lot of calls for him to get playing time. fact is he's, practicing with the scout team. So he's running what we're playing against that week. He's not really getting the reps you need to prepare to start because he's not running our offense. He's running a basic scout team offense to prepare the defense for whoever the opposition is. The plan all along with him was for him to redshirt and potentially get the four games that he can play as a redshirt. He hasn't gotten any, Um That Commerce game was really probably the best chance, and we just didn't perform well enough to give him a lead to pull him in comfortably. So moving forward, I don't know what is the answer there. If you are going to him, you need to put him in this week, give him two weeks to prepare for app. I don't know if that's going to happen, because Grant uh, played pretty well. He was 8 of 18, which is not very efficient. However. There were multiple drops that should have been completed. That's on the receivers. He threw for 194 yards, and when it mattered most, he hit on some huge
3: pass plays.
1: Uh, He hits a Marion Granger for a big one to put us in the red zone. I think twice? Yeah, twice. Two huge plays that end up in 10 points for us. Uh, Obviously, there were some issues with him taking sacks. I don't know if you can blame that completely on him, but yeah, Grant's gotta be the guy moving forward in my opinion. I think it kind of reminds me of a better version of when we had Blake Larusa battling for the job, where we weren't really committed to anybody. We were just kind of flipping back and forth. But I feel better about this situation because of how good of a deep ball Grant throws. It's just those short and intermediate throws we got to get a lot better on. That would make our passing offense a lot more efficient. And we just, we only had a couple of those last night. He hit Wicks on a nice first down and then went back to the deep ball immediately. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's just going to be, as long as Grant plays well, he's fine. But if he's coming out, yeah, if it's he's, coming he's not out bad. Fine. It kind of reminds me of last year with the basketball team. with We had two great scores in Chauncey and Tyreek Scott Grayson. But you're, there was moments where you knew, all right, Tyreek doesn't have it this half. Give the ball to Chauncey, right? And then Chauncey would take over. And then vice versa. It kind of reminds me of that. I was like, all right, whoever's got it has it. If the one guy doesn't have it, no reason to keep him in because – the other guy's going to be a better option at this point. And Jack just, he did not look comfortable last night. I don't know any other way of saying it. He just did not look comfortable at all.
0: Yeah. I'm curious if that, uh, I know he took that big, big hit on that sack on, uh, I think it was the first drive. Uh, I wonder if that kind of, you know, skewed things off from, uh, the first, uh, couple of play scripts and, you know, kind of downhill from there. But, um, you know, just to kind of follow up the, those points. I mean, the way we ran the ball yesterday, I know we didn't have you know 330 yards rushing like the week before, but if we can keep doing that, uh, I mean, the uh, opportunity should be there for these guys to to hit those receivers. So I'm um, uh, you know definitely. Uh, I know we didn't score a ton of points. I think I, I said what 49-24 uh, on the prediction. Uh, thankfully, was still right on the win, but uh, definitely excited to see what what we can do if we continue to run the ball like we have.
2: Well, I know we'll get into this, but last week, the major theme I think looking towards this week was we need to do a couple things to win this game. One, get rid of the turnovers, you know, especially those interceptions, because the previous two games we'd had lots of interceptions that caused us issues. The second was continue to run the ball well, and now that I'm realizing I can't count, there's a third one of stopping the run. We had to stop Frank Gore. We did all three of those things. We didn't throw an interception. We ran the ball for close to 200 yards, and we limited them to 140 yards rushing. on the, And Frank Gore only to 73 on 29 carries, averaging 2.3 yards per carry. That was, in, in the immortal words of your old coach, Bobby Wilder, that was the, we'll say, the anatomy of a win. Yeah, I,
3: I think that when you do those things, you know, when you when – you compete in the phases that you have struggled in a little bit better, then you could win the games that we lost. You know, those those close games that we lost, we're we're very close to being a five and one football team right now. And we changed those things. Their defense was a little bit better than than we thought they would be, you know, as we looked at the stats last week and we all made our predictions we all thought, okay, we scored a lot against Marshall. or we're going to score a lot against against uh, this team, Southern Mississippi, and we didn't. But we did the things that we talked about last week that we were struggling with. We did them better, and we, and we win a game against a good defense, a good rushing attack. Uh, you know, we do those things every game, and these big teams we're coming up against in the next few weeks, we could we could keep winning. We really could.
1: Yeah, so before we get to the defense, I I want to talk about two more things with the offense. One noticeable thing I saw with the difference between Jack and Grant last night was how long they let the play clock run. Whenever whenever Jack got under center, and it's been like this all season long, he just goes immediately and hikes it. Very quick, decisive, like he is taking that snap as fast as possible. Grant seems a lot more calculated with when he hikes the ball. He's looking over the sideline, he's getting those calls, um, and it worked out last night because he was able to catch Southern Miss a few times slipping, either subbing players out or just having uh, the kind of the wrong coverage in. It was pretty, uh, honestly, if we're just talking about how the offense is operated, that was what makes this offense work. You can change the tempo up. You have to be able to change the tempo. All right, set the offense, see what the defense is doing, and then try to catch them off guard, speed it up, slow it down. That's the beauty of this offense, and Grant did a really good job with that last night. Got to give him credit there. The other thing I noticed was on one side of the ball, we were bunching it like we have all season, but at times one side of the field was not bunched, and it seemed like they were trying to set up for more slants across the middle for that inside receiver. So we're definitely seeing changes with the offense and seeing it mature as it, the season moves along, which is a great thing, something you expect to see. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think about the whole tempo part of this.
2: Yeah, Mike, you're absolutely right. Ricky talks about it all the time. It's not about just going fast, fast, fast. It's about pushing the throttle forward and back speeding things up, slowing things down.
0: Yeah, it's, um. again, I, I wonder, I mean, Grant came from Fordham, right? Came with uh, the coordinator, has another year in this system, obviously. Uh, it, Well, you would assume it changed a little bit going up a division, but, um, you know, I wonder if without really knowing, right, he has more leeway to execute uh, within the offense just because he knows the, the more ins and outs, the minutiae, not to say, Uh, jack isn't informed you know working through camp and and all that but i wonder if that's really uh, a differentiator is uh, grant can have more leeway to speed up slow down uh, make those reads obviously you know it's not like they're communicating but um, uh, i wonder if that's just really that difference maker is more time in this offensive scheme uh, to to get more leeway to to execute uh, more fronts which you know to the point uh, i remember that third and ten Uh, I think we we rolled out right, incomplete pass, and then we got that five yards kind of redo, and I think we picked it up on a run. Uh, Definitely a huge momentum swing, kind of a dynamic that we want to see out of the offense, and I think uh, if we can keep that going forward, that'll definitely be a useful tool for us.
1: Yeah, and it shows in the time of possession. We didn't have that many successful drives last night, but we had enough. We had 24 minutes and 38 seconds of possession, which is not great it's a whole lot better than 18 that we had last week. And it helps the defense. And last night, the defense, in my opinion, may have had the best tackling game in all Dominion football history. I can't remember a time where we had that few missed tackles and that many gang tackles in a single game. Because it wasn't just Jason. Jason was phenomenal. He breaks the... All-time tackling record for Old Dominion. Congrats to him. We love to see it. But last night's defense was a full eleven men on the field. All of them took part in that performance, and it was it, we needed it badly because obviously the offense was not putting up the points on the board that we've seen throughout this season. But that defense deserves the game ball last night. That was awesome to see.
2: Man and a handful of those were on receivers one-on-one situations where if you don't make that tackle you get a first down at a minimum and then it could be much more so a huge plays all during the game by everybody on the squad
3: yeah everybody was playing right on their right on their game last night jason of course so many times the balls you know, going outside, Jason's there, comes up the middle, Jason makes a solo tackle, and you expect that from him, and you expect it from everybody, because it's their job, but these guys last night, solo tackles in open space are just hard to do, and they're doing it, and, you know, like you said, Mike, the gang tackles, when you hold somebody up, that doesn't mean you're going to bring them down on your own, and that's what the whole team is there for, and they're supposed to come around and fly to the ball, as they say, and they were doing it last night, and it's fun to watch when everybody's playing like that. You know, it really is. Yeah. I was, uh, I was waiting until we got to this point, but man, we got some dogs
0: on defense. Like, uh, it it says a lot when you know a team is going to come and run the ball right at you, right. Be super physical, continuously pound. I mean, uh, how many rush attempts did they have? Uh, 44, right? Like, just the constant grind of we're gonna smash you in the mouth and you know it's gonna happen, but we're still gonna do it. You know sometimes the team can answer that call, sometimes they don't. You know we've seen that in the past, uh, but man, uh, what a performance! You know as we mentioned, Jason with the 17 tackles, but I think we had what four or five guys with double digits and just across the board, uh, whether it was solo or those gang tackles. I mean they answered the call, and then again they they sold out on the run, but we also didn't get really hugely gashed with the ball over the top, right? You know, I think the uh, secondary did great to, uh, yeah, we're, we're selling out. We know we're going to stop the run, but they stayed on their, their assignments. They stayed on their guys. and they had a couple of long plays, but uh, I mean, what a phenomenal job by the defense again this year.
1: Yeah, and then when you talk about clutch plays defensively, you got to talk about how do they perform when their back's against the wall. And we've seen it all throughout the season, but They are so tough to score on in the red zone, phenomenal effort. Last night, we're holding them to field goals instead of giving up touchdowns. The defense gives up a total of six points on the night. If you play like that, we're going to have a chance, no matter how good or bad this offense is the rest of the year in every single game. Um, this is a high scoring conference, but if you look at who performs the best um, at the end of the season. Troy last year, James Madison, Marshall, those teams all had great defenses. You can't win this league without a great defense, and last night we had a great defense.
2: And you know what? We have to give them even more props. I know that Southern Miss struggled scoring the ball early in the season, but their last two games, they scored 37 against Arkansas State. They scored 36 against Texas State. Their offense scored six points last night. I think that needs to be paid more attention to exactly how well the defense played last night, despite being put in not optimal positions and still being on the field. But we had the ball 24 minutes, so it, it was impressive.
0: Yeah, I would love to uh, I I'd attribute only three points, really, on the defense. You know, again, get, get to the, the minutiae here. Um, you know, we had that offsides on that punt in the, I think it was first quarter. Uh, defense did their job, came out, stopped them. You know, we had good momentum. Uh, D got off the field, uh, another, uh, special teams miscue, um, that, that kind of put us back in the hole. They drove down defense again stood tall, uh, and, and only gave up a field goal on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just great to see. And to that point, uh, I think it's going to benefit us uh, the next couple of games because we're got some tough ones for sure.
1: And I've said it a few times. I know we, we all love Jason, but, If you're not appreciating what we have while we have it, you're going to regret it. Watch every game this guy plays. Pay attention to what he's doing because this is not someone you're – we're not going to have a guy like this every single season. And we should know that given the last seven or so years of Old Dominion football. So try to enjoy what we have while we have it because I feel like Old Dominion fans are going to be talking about this guy for the next 30 years. He's going to be in that Taylor zone of, hey, you remember how fun it was watching Jason Henderson just harass the offense we were playing against? He put some licks on uh, Billy Wiles last night. Got a sack. He had another one where he was getting a sack, but Billy Wiles gets a really nice shovel pass. Just really clutch play by him. He was everywhere. Two and a half tackles for loss which is his average, and it's near the top of the country right now. 17 tackles, just phenomenal.
3: People always talk about, this guy's the greatest of all time, and this guy's going to be one of the best of all time. And I think it happens too much at this point in every sport. But as you said, Mike, we're not going to see – somebody like this for a long time, I'm not sure that we'll ever at Old Dominion see another player on the defense like Jason Henderson. Cause the difference is if you're that close to breaking records, breaking NCAA records in one year and then come back the next year and you're on track to do it again. It's an NCAA record. That's every school that's huge schools that you're competing against. And when of you all got, time. Of all time. Uh, you, I, I, don't, I can't imagine that we'll see somebody doing that on defense again. It is hard to do. To...
2: When you're tackling that many people to be able to continue to stay healthy and to take care of your body and do the things you need to do, you got to do all that stuff, put all the work, but you got to have a little bit of luck too. I mean, because mm-hmm. he's just – Hitting so many people. And like in the first game against Virginia Tech, we saw Virginia Tech was just trying to put two and three bodies on him. So, you know, a testament to him. But just to beat this dead horse one more time and how great this defense was this week, no Amore Morrison, no EJ Green. I mean, two of our most impactful players on defense not available. And this defense played the way it did and guys stepped up. It's just exciting to think about what the rest of the season can be and if the offense can just you know be able to sustain drives a little bit more and just keep improving a little bit each week the team really could be dangerous
3: yeah i mean this uh 276 yards of offense for uh, the opposing team is just incredible and it you know I like, I like you said. We're beating a dead horse here, almost, but it's just when you look at that, if you're holding the other team under 300 yards, you're gonna win football games. It just is what it is.
1: So to put a bow on the whole Jason Henderson discussion, he's got 92
0: tackles through six games.
1: That's a good season.
0: Yeah, let me let me emph- emphasize that's a good season. <laughs> it's insane, like 92 through six, Incredible. and I think guys are happy with. 92 on a, you know, full slate of games. Like, just, ah, I love it.
1: I will add that there was no Jalen Satchel last night. They talked about how many of our defensive line, we only had one defensive line starter playing last night and they were huge. Mm -hmm. Devin Brand Epps, Denzel Lowry, a whole bunch of dudes just coming in and making plays and that next man up mentality is huge. It's, Great to see, because you don't see it every year. But we have it this year on defense. All right. So where do we want to go next? Is there anything we have to cover uh, and give credit to for that win last night? Oh, the we got to talk about this running game. Obviously, we, we've touched on it briefly, but Kadarius Callaway was metric again in the running game. Average what?
3: Sorry. uh
1: on the ground Keyshawn Wicks runs 10 times for 54 yards 5.4 yards per carry we average 4 as a team with the sacks and there were 5 sacks that's pretty you're going to take that every game if you can get it and most importantly Keyshawn Wicks when it's crunch time he gets the touchdown run, but in that last drive, he reverses field, and he ends the game. That play was just phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that was crazy. It was like magic. He disappears into a sea of dudes. You think that he stopped for virtually nothing. They are going to have to punt the ball, put the defense on the field again, and hopefully hold the team uh, and win this game. But... He puts the vehicle into reverse, somehow spins out of there, gets around the corner on the left side, scores the first down, stays in bounds, and puts the bow on a victory.
3: I think I said last week that it's crazy to me that we can have two guys like this because Keyshawn Wicks runs hard. You know, We see Kadarius Callaway last week, what he did, unbelievable. And then this week, he looks the same. Yeah, he didn't break out the 70-yard runs this week, but he looks the same this week. Every time he runs the ball, you're like, oh, he's going to break it out. He's, he's fast. He runs hard. But then you bring Keyshawn Wicks in, and he's doing the same thing. I mean, that's got to be disheartening for the other team because it doesn't really matter what you do. Whoever gets the ball when we run it, it they're going to pound it, and it's not going to be fun to tackle them. They're probably going to get first downs. They might break it out for 70 yards. That's got to be terrible as, as a defense to come against.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just want to echo a point. like, You know, we're talking about the guys, next man up, that mentality. But what a job the coaching staff has done. You know, I mentioned this last week, like the encouragement, the the encouragement for me, like looking at this team on the field, you know, past couple of years, we have our, our one go down. Number two, that's a big gap, big drop off again we're not necessarily competing physically on the field but man like we have a lot of injuries but it's hard to tell who's the one and who's the two right we have the next man come up and come out and compete again haven't gotten the results we all wanted but man the the product is there the the athlete is there the scheme is there right there's there's not that huge drop off and we're staying competitive which again amazing job by not only the the guys on the field but the coaches to put those guys out there
1: yeah, I, I I need to also say while well, we're talking about the running backs, Keyshawn did a fantastic job last night in pass pro. He was picking up those blitzers off the edge or just that were coming through and protecting Grant uh, all night long. And we have to talk about the offensive line. We lose Stefan DeBose at one point to injury. Elijah Hoskin comes in. And other than a false start, he plays pretty well and obviously helps this run game keep going another example of the next man up mentality. Uh, so credits the offensive line. They took a lot of heat early in the season for the sacks. and But without the offensive line, this rushing would not be possible. So thank you, offensive line. We, we love to see it. Keep up the great work. Yeah, 4.4 4 plus yards per carry. We hold Southern Miss to two and a half. <clears throat> with maybe one of the best running backs in mid-major football?
2: Dude, I was looking this up while you guys were talking, and there are so many ranking ranking the best running backs in college football right now. Okay, So, Frank Gore Jr. ranked number one in G5 football, and he's in a butt-ton of lists where he is in the top ten of all of college football. I mean, to be able to limit him to 2.3 yards per carry a week after doing virtually the same thing to Rashin Ali,
3: damn. Yeah, that's a good day. I do want to go back to what you said, Mike, about the offensive line. You always got to give credit to the big guys. The big guys are 90% of the time overlooked because, well, if they're doing their job, you don't really say anything about it. And if they make a mistake, everybody freaks out. Uh, But, man. Both sides of the ball, our big guys are killing it right now. You know, it, it's pretty awesome to see because for a while, we may not have had best offensive line, we may not have had the best defensive line. Well, we didn't have the best team for a while, but it is fun to see things happening because of the big guys. We set it on the defense. We lost three starters, and we come out and we stop one of the best running backs in all of college football. You know, we have two different running backs who continuously get huge holes to run through, and then they do their job because, like we said, they run hard, but the huge holes to run through, it's just – it makes the game easier, and our big guys are killing it right now. They really are.
1: I think a lot of that credit obviously goes to the offensive line coach, but I would add Xavier Black, he is kind of the the center. He's the center, but he is the guy that kind of – He's the center of that offense, of line, that group. He's the leader. He's the captain. Like without him, the captain leads the, the team. So credit to Xavier, former walk on. Uh, can't say enough good things about how he and his unit played last night.
0: But hey, shout outs to the uh, the walk ons. You know that's uh, it's great to see that. Oh yeah, see the journey, uh, walk on starter to scholarship you know jared and i can speak from experience on that so we always love those guys for walk on
1: definitely all right fellas so we're headed to the bye i i guess a good way to end this show would be what were your expectations or before this season started and have you adjusted those so we'll go around the circle so jared we'll start with you what were your expectations before the season and how have they adjusted through these first six games?
3: Yeah, if if I look at this schedule before the season started, with how our last few seasons have gone, not knowing really anything about our quarterbacks and how they're going to play, not knowing anything about our running backs, how they're going to play, um, knowing that we have a good defense, but we're playing good teams. If I look at this season and I look at these first six games, Obviously, I would have said, "Okay, we're going to blow out Texas A&M Commerce." Um, but every other game, I probably would have expected us to be in a couple close ones and lose. And then Virginia Tech and Marshall and, and those big teams, Wake Forest, I, man, probably not going to be very close. We're probably not going to have a chance. Um, the fact that I could say earlier in this in this uh, session that we could be five and one right now if some other little things went our way, 100% I've changed my expectations of the season. 100%. Um, I watched App State against, who was it last week? I can't remember who they played. But I watched the game, and they're not better than Wake Forest. They're not better than Virginia Tech. Um, They're a good football team, but we're going to have another close game. JMU is a tough one. We got them coming up. JMU is, in my opinion, our biggest uh, rival. You know, We played them twice, beat them twice, and was hoping that we could keep that up last year, and we didn't. Um, but I I don't expect us to get blown out against JMU like we did last year, and, and I wouldn't have said that at the start of the season. So um, 100% my expectations have changed. I would not have thought we'd be where we are, even if we were 3-3, three and three. even if I said hey, maybe we'll get lucky in a game like Southern Miss – Um, no, I would not have expected us to be playing like we're playing to be three and three and have a chance to make a bowl game because we do, we have a chance to make a bowl game.
1: All right, John.
0: Yeah. Expectations. Right. Um, you know, looking at the schedule, we had the churn that we had on our roster, like all the different things that we had going on. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, Oh, like, how are we going to do this year? Like, like what, what do you expect? Um, And, like, I didn't expect us to have a great record. But just because understanding, like, we had some really good teams to compete against. Uh, We had, you know, a lot of churn on the the roster. And, like, my expectation, you know, my hope was we just came in and be competitive, like, have, like, fight for wins. Again, we'd love to see those wins. But, like, just being honest with myself, I was like, man, like, we got a tough record and had a lot of turnover, new coordinators, right? Like, uh, and, and here we are. You know, six games in moving into the bye week. Uh, Man, like, you know, I said this last week, like, again, I know uh, the results haven't turned out as we we hope they would, you know, should definitely, you know, we definitely have a good chance of being five and one with a couple of things going our way, a couple of things changing, but like, we're in every game like Virginia tech. Okay. Kind of got a little sideways, kind of got a little weird, but like we're competing with ACC schools. We're competing with Sunbelt schools physically like, our ones, our twos, our threes. Like, we are fighting every game. Like, man, that's awesome. Again, we will love to see that 5-1 and one record, but, like, the guys are competing, and it makes me feel a lot better about the second half. You know, Jared mentioned, like, we're a couple games away from a, a bowl game. Like, I now, my expectation, there there should be no reason why we don't get into a bowl game. Just with, like, what we've seen from the coaches, from the team this year. Uh, again, moving into the bye week, <laughs> It's going to get real crazy to end the year, but man, like, you know, hats off to the team, to the coaching staff, like really coming out and and competing every single down, uh, just fighting for us. It's uh, really great to see.
1: And you said it, 58 new players. We won three games last year. This team had to learn how to win because that's a big part of football, right? And they're showing they can play up to the competition. They can play down to the competition. Like we saw in homecoming. But they're playing up to the competition, which is a lot harder to do. And credit to the coaches, because this team is learning how to win. Uh, These close games, ending up on the right side of them, are crucial for a bowl run. Uh, Aaron, I'd love to hear your thoughts. What were your expectations at the beginning of the season?
2: And have they pivoted at all? Written them down. It seems like it's been so long ago. If... If I remember correctly, I think I said our floor, I thought our floor would be four wins. But I could see us winning up to seven, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happened and make a bowl game. Uh, right now, if you force me to choose, I we get the six wins. We've got to hold serve at home. We've got to beat App State. We've got to beat Coastal and beat Georgia State. I mean, JMU's going to be tough on the road. you will know, live always you know, top at their place in Georgia Southern is playing very good football. So if we can win our three home games and they're all three are very winnable games, then this team goes bowling. um deal one of those three on the road. Absolutely. If we play like we're capable of playing, we could win all of these games. But uh, I think six games and uh, bowling.
1: All right. So before the season, my expectation, the ceiling was seven games just like yours. My floor was four, four wins. We're one off of that right now. I was optimistic just because of what I knew about this offense and knew that we would be able to run the ball. If you can run the ball and you can play a good defense, you got a chance every week, and we're showing that. The beautiful part about the running game is it's getting better as the season moves along. It's getting more efficient, and it's getting more productive. My expectations have not changed. I think we do win more than four though. I think we're gonna win five or six, possibly seven. It is not an easy final six games by any means. Even app is gonna be a tough game. We're not getting the benefit of playing a team that's coming off of a game. They're playing on Tuesday this week. So they essentially have a bye week as well. So we do not have the advantage really there. We have a couple more days off than they do. But, yeah, I am very excited to see how the rest of the season plays out, and I can't wait to watch it. As long as we play good defense and run the ball, we're going to have a shot to win some games and go bowling. And considering that Vegas had our, what, win total at three and a is a really exciting thing to talk about.
3: Yeah, these next six games are going to be – very very tough every single time we don't have a single game where the team has a losing record right now coming up and we're playing against oh wait sorry coastal has a losing record but i don't i don't actually see them as a losing record team i mean coastal's a good team we've known that for a while now Coastal's a very good team um so we do have one but We're playing against teams that they're they're winning football teams. They uh, constantly have beaten us now over the last few years. And it's going to be hard, but I I believe in these guys. And that's fun to be able to say, because over the last few years, I think we said it last week, how many games did we stay at home in the fourth quarter? Did Plisco and I not just go to Delvex and get some pizza? Uh, And now – I'm excited. I'm inviting people to games. Hey, man, we got a good football team. This is going to be fun. I got a coworker coming up from Florida to come watch us play against uh, against Coastal, and he's a huge college football guy, and he's coming up to watch. And it's fun to be able to say, we're going to be in these games. We're going to have a chance to win. We're going to have a chance to go to a bowl game when the last few years we, we didn't really expect too much. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. I will say this.
1: At the beginning of the season, I was kind of looking at our competition and what games would be winnable, and that's kind of pivoted for me. I thought, Georgia State, that's a game we should win. Now it's kind of like, that's a pretty damn good team this year, the way Darren Granger is playing. However, I knew there would be issues with Coastal Carolina and their new coaching change, uh, and that is playing out. Plusco, you, you still there? You got any parting uh, thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, parting thoughts, right? Uh, always great to, to come on to uh, a Sunday with the uh, victory in hand and looking ahead at the the good football. Um, you know, just definitely want to thank you guys for having us here. Uh, we, As you can tell, Jared and I uh, love ODU football. We love our school, uh, love Monarch Nation. Uh, just kind of have this opportunity to, to come on here and, and chat about, uh, you know, what we love, still love, uh, is always uh, much appreciated. But, man, uh, we definitely got some exciting football ahead of us, and we have a team that can compete uh, and, and really make it really exciting and you know, hopefully uh, go bowling by the end of the year. So just want to thank you guys and thank Monarch Nation for uh, for everything you guys do.
1: Well, thank you so much for filling in on Gary and being able to w- be willing to come on here and share your thoughts and opinions yeah. on Old Dominion football these last two weeks. We couldn't be more thankful I do have an idea. We have a voicemail line for the Monarchist. I'd love both of you to call after each game and leave a voicemail on what you thought happened so we can continue having you on each episode the rest of the
3: season. Yeah, that works for me. But, you know, if I leave a voicemail, it's probably going to be long-winded. So sorry about that. (laughs) That's okay. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, I don't know how – when did you guys start the podcast? The end of March
2: of 2022.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't think it had been super long. And to say that 10 years ago, when we were playing, and it was a smaller school, yeah, we sold out all the time, but it's a small school and uh, not a big, huge football program. We did some things to get put on the national map, but still not a big, huge football program. And to say that we were going to have in 10 years a, a podcast that's all about ODU sports and ODU football a lot of the time and people that really care and and, and watch and, you know, live and die by the Monarchs is is pretty awesome to say to see. Uh, we love it, but we love it because we were there playing, you know, and it's, it's hard to think that, oh, there's guys that played with us that don't care because there's not too many of them. Uh, but when you talk about fans and when you talk about everybody else that has an interest in ODU sports, in college sports in general, it's really awesome to see you guys doing this. And talking about this has been a lot of fun the last two weeks. So 100% we'll be calling in. And uh, I don't know if <laughs> Flisco can answer right now. I don't know what's going on with his uh his connection, but we will be calling in. We'll be talking about it. This has been a lot of fun for us, so thank you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was going to chime in and be like, "Hope you don't have a, a time restriction on those voicemails because Jared might uh, bump into <laughs> him." But, call <laughs> uh, in. Did <any laughs> you want Michael to <laughs> stitch them together? Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Jared that. You know, <laughs> but no, we're absolutely going to do that, guys. Definitely appreciate that opportunity and all that you guys do
1: yeah we'll we'll try to open that up to everybody we'll we'll put the number out and if you got a thought on the game call in and we'll try to start linking those in more often as we move forward because this is a show for everybody if you love old dominion football you you should be a part of the show so
2: hey mike i've got one oh by the way before you sign us off actually two but oh by the ways the first one is now that Jonathan and Jared are staying for the whole entire game and not leaving early for Delvecchio's. Like, okay, <laughs> ODU, what what can we do about getting Delvec's pizza in the stadium? And everybody's going to be happy on that one. And the second one is just as an early primer, Saturday, November the 4th, the game against Coastal Carolina at home is going to be our Toys for Tots drive. So you just want to start getting the word out early in the blue lot. That's where the collection is going to be new unwrapped toys or cash. The Marines will be there. We'll be putting lots of details out about it in the coming weeks. But last year was the biggest and best that it's been. We were able to help a ton of kids in the 757 to have, you know, a better Christmas or an actual Christmas because some of them wouldn't have one otherwise. So thank you so much to Monarch Nation who came through last year we're doing it again this year. It's going to be even bigger and better.
1: Yeah, you say bigger and better. Last year we had a tank on forty third or what? 49th Forty right, right by the stadium. Right by the stadium, we had an AAV that you could collect and drop your toys off right in front of the black and silver lot. I got word this week that we're going to actually have two tanks this year. Yeah, what's better than one tank? Two tanks, and we got them. Um, there will be a really great flyover before this game so bring toys, bring cash however you can contribute we want you to contribute and make this another great year for the Toys for Tots and all these kids in Hampton Roads Um, on that note, I think it's time to close this out, Old Dominion thank you for that defensive performance last night, that was fun to watch, I can't wait to see what we do the rest of the year Enjoy the bye week, everybody. And go, Monarchs. Go, Monarchs.
3: Go, Monarchs. Go,
0: Monarchs.